Fortean. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 275 of Fortean Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I suppose with all he's been through, Patrick has been drugged several times, chased down by a giant ball, spent 20 minutes having dem bones sang at him. <laughs> we'll finally do the prisoner show. <laughs> That's the ball noise. It, is it though? No. <laughs> no. He thinks it turns out he can't even do an impression of Rover. <laughs> is that the name of the ball? Yes. Yeah, Rover. Yeah, I oh. think that was a pterodactyl on helium. <laughs> yeah, Similar. So, so this week we are finally giving in to Patrick, and we have watched The Prisoner, uh, the original 1968 uh, version of it, and uh, the 2009? 2009. 2009. Yeah. I, I changed my mind. I don't want to do this show anymore. All right, then. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> have a great week. <laughs> You've been begging for this for five years, you jackass. <laughs> and we'll be back never. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, this is it should be interesting. I think for some of us it was a rewatching. Some of us it was a first watching. Some of us it was uh, eye-opening. And so. if you like having your eyes opened, your eyes will always be open by listening to the awesome shows on the Podcast Collective, such as I Am Salt Lake. The Dog and Deuce Show. Talk music to me. And of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. <laughs> I couldn't even do it. That's still <laughs> not the sound. <laughs> wow. Is that a pterodactyl on Kitar? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're looking for our older stuff, we've got it on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, all sorts of podcasting things. And give us a review on podchaser.com. We, we like that a lot. Uh, a lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. And, uh, yeah, we actually have a voicemail this time around. We sure do. Yes. Voicemail. Do. <laughs> I'm going to sound clip that now. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so we've, it looks like it's from... We've got some voicemail. We've got some voicemail. You, you can stop now. Yeah. Okay, the, sorry. The first I'm one. trying to come up with a, with a jingle on the fly. It's just excited. Yeah, we haven't had a voicemail forever. I am, I'm sadly a little bit excited. I hope this isn't like like somebody, like a bill collector. <laughs> Don't hang up if you are. <laughs> All right. You know, I had I had a I had a guy call me when I was on vacation. He's like, "Hello, is like Zambuza there or something like that?" I'm like, "No, I'm sorry. There's nobody oh, named." Did he Zambuza. steal your pan flute? I don't know. Is, yeah, is, is Zamfir there? No, no. There's no Zamfir. Well, then maybe you can help me out. I'm like, ah, you fucker. <laughs> you try to pretend you know me. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, so here we go. Actually, uh, listener Karen. Oh. Hey. She's been trying to reach us about our extended car warranty. <laughs> hey, 40 going on 14, guys. Listener Karen here. I just finished the Seinfeld episode, and it was wonderful. It was long overdue. I'm glad you guys finally had those conversations. I think you probably could have done two episodes on this topic, but I guess Mike would have a lot of catching up to do. A um, couple things I wanted to mention. Uh, his name is not Bob Sacamano. It's Bob Sacamano. I know this because I went to school with a Nikki Sacamano. And Babu is Pakistani, not Afghani. Um, that's a big one. And, uh, Mike, you have to watch the George Likes His Chicken Spicy episode, and I don't think you guys talked about the Jimmy. 
Uh, and for episodes of um, Comedians in Cars, you all definitely need to watch the Michael Richards episode where he has a total breakdown. Definitely worth checking out. All right. Talk to you guys later. Uh, off to your next episode. Woo! Okay, first off, she's 100% right about the uh, Afghanistan-Pakistan thing. As I was listening to the episode, I said to myself, oh, damn it, he was Pakistani, not Afghan. So she's 100% right about that. But we did talk about the Michael Richards episode briefly in the Comedians in Cars section. Joel and I both talked about how sad it was, and Josh agreed. Yeah, I I think we just briefly touched on that we'd considered featuring it, but it was such a bummer. It was like an honorable mention rather than a focus. Yeah. Yeah. One that you should watch, but that we didn't want to bring up because it is, yeah, it's, it's kind of a rough watch. And what will um, even prove my point further is I, I, um, I made the comment, poor Michael Richards. And I corrected myself. I said, well, poor Kramer because <laughs> Michael Richards doesn't deserve pity for what he did, but Kramer definitely does. Truth. So to your two points, I think you're right on one and wrong on the other. So well, she had a third point. So you're wrong. No, uh, the third point. Mono. The third point. Um, okay, she's two for three. Then fine. <laughs> I think I'm trying to come up with some way to dismiss it, but I can't. There's just. I, no, I, was I think just that's a sticky it. wicket, isn't it? Two for three. <laughs> oh my god. On that yeah. note, I think it's about that time. <laughs> or maybe not. This week, god damn it. Week, this week in music, movies. And TV. I think you I think you got one of those in there. He was not ready for the I think it's about that time. I'm still wondering about this whole rover sound that I'm not entirely sure Joel watched the same show as we did. <laughs> he watched Lost. We watched Prison Break, right? Is, is he remember remember Rover? <laughs> so yeah, so the, the first I got I got nothing for that man. <laughs> June 1st, 1968. It was a very strange year because the debut of The Prisoner was there. So, yeah. All right. Music. Uh, The number one song in the land was Simon and Garfunkel's Mrs. Robinson from The Graduate. It became the first soundtrack featuring rock music to win a Grammy for Record of the Year. There you go. Do, 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 do. Did Simon and Garfunkel really rock, though? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I put them more well, at the, the time. I mean, at the time, they were considered like rock slash pop. And, now, and I would call them folk rock even now. Yeah, for sure. Because they're not pure folk, but they no. definitely have folk influences. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I can get with that. Al B. Sure, American R&B singer, was born on June 8th. Fourth. That's a four. That's what <laughs> I said. June 4th. <laughs> June 4th. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Rover? That's Rover. That, that's Rover from the first episode when he's getting the, the hipster. Ah. Uh, yeah. That sounds just like my impression. <laughs> Woody Allen doing the Rover sound. <laughs> sounds like a grizzly bear choking on an apple. <laughs> uh, William Edward Little Willie John was an American R&B singer who is best known for his songs all around the world, Need Your Love So Bad, and Fever which was made famous by Peggy Lee in her cover. John was also known for his short temper and propensity for to abuse alcohol. It led him to being dropped by his record company. In 1966, he was convicted of manslaughter in a fatal knifing following a show in Seattle and was sent to Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla. 
He appealed the conviction and was released while the case was reconsidered, during which time he recorded which I'm sorry, what was intended to be his comeback album. Owing to contractual disputes and the decline of his appeal, it was not released until 2008 as 1966. John died on May 26 at Washington State Penitentiary. An important figure in R&B music of the 1950s, John was posthumously inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996 and was absorbed politely. Can it, how can it be manslaughter if it's a fatal knifing? Isn't right. manslaughter like if you hit someone with a car, that's on manslaughter? Accident. Manslaughter is like accidental death, yeah. Usually. Yeah, I mean, murder would be when you uh, are planning to kill somebody. Like pre This, this might have been like, you know, the laws might have been different, and it might have been the way that um, they handled... Uh, um, uh, the what, plea what deal? No, no. Um, go, oh, the phrase is suddenly gone. Um, defending your life, you know. Um, well, I mean, like, if he had a knife on him, he got into a fight, pulled it, and killed somebody. That's usually... They may try and charge you with so murder, but they have to prove that you intent, like you planned to oh, kill somebody. Yeah, that you brought the knife. Self-defense, that's the word yeah, that I was looking that, for. Yeah. That you brought the knife in intent to kill him. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, they, they might they might have gotten into some fight and he thought the guy was about to kill him and he pulls his knife and stabs him. Earth is, yeah. they were like playing the game that they played in Alien and he accidentally like fell over and fell on the knife because he was pushed him or something. Manslaughter, or android slaughter in that case. Anyway, so on May 28th, Kylie Minogue was born in Melbourne, Australia, or Victoria, Melbourne, Victoria. Which is in Australia. Yeah, which yeah, is in Australia. Exactly. I was going to say there should be more too that I think. But, and there's well, I mean, a YouTube. It, 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 if you said like you know Tulsa, Oklahoma, <laughs> would you would you say Tulsa, Oklahoma, USA? Yes. <laughs> See, she Lucy, agrees Lucy disagrees. Was that Rover? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to read the YouTube link? You really don't. It's not necessary. Oh, on May 30th, the Beatles began recording their only double album titled Beatles, but frequently referred to as the White Album. The album contains such classics as Back in the USSR, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Helter Skelter, and Obladi, Oblada, Life Goes On. One of the world's perfect albums. Yeah, yeah, that album is amazing. So, Pat, here's a check your Beatles trivia. What is Helter Skelter actually about? Hmm. There's there's the whole uh, Manson like crossover thing that people are talking about, but what is what are they actually singing about in Helter Skelter? I think this is something that I read once, but I don't recall. I really, I don't know. Josh, Joel, I'm I'm just coming up with Skeletor. I don't know. I'm right where Pat is, where I know when you say it, I will yeah, remember I, having I'm, read this trivia, and I 100%, can't remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure because I mean I, I I read the book Helter Skelter. I've read you know everything about the Beatles, so I'm pretty sure I know this. I just can't yeah. recall it. Right now. A Helter Skelter is actually what we call a jingle gym. They're saying he's singing about when you climb to the bottom and you get to the top. He's singing about uh, jungle gym. That's what a Helter Skelter what? is. What? No, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that either. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. I was close to Skeletor. Huh. Yeah, right? I'll huh. get you, John Lennon. I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah, and my favorite portion of that entire thing is the very, very, very end of it. With the, I've got blisters <laughs> on my fingers. And then Stewie, of course, did that on Family Guy once. Oh, yeah. Great but song. Yeah, honestly, a great song. So. The whole album, amazing. Because it's the Beatles, fuck. I mean, even Joel likes the Beatles. I do. All right. Movies. All right. Moving on <laughs> to movies. <laughs> I guess. Roof. Ah, Rover. Well, you're um, talking about the Beatles, you know. I got to take a hit for that. The number one movie in the land was 2001, A Space Oddity. Wait. Yeah, the parody movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, huh. If, I, if I thought that you... Uh, you did a uh, did me a bamboozle there? Maybe I did. <laughs> did you do a heckin' bamboozled? 
I wrote this like a month ago, so maybe I did. I don't remember. <laughs> he right. wrote this like five years ago when we first started <laughs> getting ready for the show. We just didn't even have case. a tweet yet. This is the week. This is the week. <laughs> I just changed the week number every single week. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> All right. All right. You know what? There is not a movie called The Space Oddity. Okay. Well, then I must have done that by accident. <laughs> or, or done it to to mess with me and forgotten, which is yeah, also... that's, that's, entire, that's probably it, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just all like, right. all right. Yeah, I was like, there's something wrong here because <laughs> I I don't remember that movie being about a Bowie song, and I, I can't see them. I can't see them like you know that freaky ass Kubrick movie. Let's make a parody movie the same year. <laughs> So yeah, I must have done that as a joke and forgot all about doing it. <laughs> or you were high as balls. It could have been a combination of the two. Why not both? <laughs> Why not? All right, moving on. Helen Keller, American political activist, author, and lecturer who was the first deaf-blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts, died at 87 on June 1st. The movie and play The Miracle Worker was based on her life story. Very nice. I remember seeing The Miracle Worker many times on the Channel 7 movie of the day. After school. I don't think I've ever actually seen it. I haven't either. No? I remember mm. seeing that, and I remember seeing, God, what was it? Uh, 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 Sybil was on all the time. Oh. It was like Sybil, The Miracle Worker, and Trilogy of Terror. And 2001, A Space Oddity. Yes. And The Burning Bed. Oh. That right. one was on all the time, too. That's, was it? Yeah, you don't remember that one? I, I don't Fawcett remember The Burning movie. Bed. I remember it. Yeah, the Farrah Fawcett movie about the woman who was in yeah. a, a marriage where her husband abused her and... <clears throat> She killed him while he was sleeping one night by setting his bed on fire. Yeah, I probably was huddling in the closet fo- trying to stay away from that friggin' voodoo doll from the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the Zuni doll. Zuni doll, yeah. <laughs> With Karen Black is getting chased around in her apartment. Yeah. That's a hella scary movie. The, for man, yeah, the Zuni doll freaked the shit out of me. If I ever saw a movie that had the rabbit from Twilight Zone and the Zuni doll in it, I would just like shit and piss and barf myself all at the same time. <laughs> Oh, you mean the rabbit from the Jack in the Box? Yeah. <laughs> no. Dude, uh, let's put a let's put a hot mix of that together for Gen Con. <laughs> I want to see him. We'll, we'll call it Nightmare Fuel. <laughs> yeah. We'll include this include the screaming face. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> Fuck that thing. <laughs> I can't even remember what that was. That was from. some live action anime. Yeah. Yeah, and it was the thing. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. We're not yeah. gonna remember. <laughs> I remember the noise that made. It went. <laughs> yeah, remember when Josh had the little face that he hung on the wall? He stuck it to his yep. forehead with a silly yes. putty. Of course, <laughs> I remember that trick around. <laughs> he chased him. That, was, that thing was fucked up. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on. Dorothy Elizabeth Gish was an American screen and stage actress, director, and writer. Dorothy and her older sister Lillian Gish were major star- movie stars of the silent era. Dorothy also had great success on the stage was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame, and she was noted as a fine comedian. Dorothy died in Italy at age 70 from bronchial pneumonia. Her sister Lillian said at her funeral, Dorothy was much more talented than I am because she had wit. She could make people laugh, and they said I was as funny as a baby's open grave. Jesus. (laughs) I couldn't make people laugh, but Dorothy could make them cry and laugh. So therefore, she was a better actress than I was. Holy crap. A baby's open grave? (laughs) like a pat joke right that's that's my kind of eulogy right there <laughs> that means... having sex with pat was like a baby's open grave <laughs> if you like a baby's open grave what? no no <laughs> 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 
this is not happening. We're not doing. <laughs> said, the, the other the other day, I said, um, I said having a relationship. This is a good one. I was like, having a relationship with me is like an episode of Scrubs. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you might get a communicable disease. <laughs> You'll wonder where the maintenance guy came from. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Don't mind me. I'm just fixing the door. <laughs> Must and chops. All right. Around. So TV, the top shows in the land are Rowan and Martin's Laughing, Gomer Pyle, USMC, Bonanza, and the acronym of the week, which is MRFD. I'm pretty sure that's Mickey Rourke fucking dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that show. <laughs> the world. <laughs> oh, my God. Best what? dog fucker in the world. The world. What oh. the hell? <laughs> I was Jim- like, I'm not going to be able to keep it together to the last word. Jiminy Willikers. Oh, uh, you're so close. No, that was um, Mayberry RFD. Oh. You got the wrong I Mickey guess. there, Pat. He's not Jiminy Willikers. He's uh, nine and a half weeks. Yeah. He's Skin oh. City. You're thinking of Mickey Mickey, uh, Mickey, Mickey Rooney, Rooney, which is That's even what, funnier. Right? I thought he said Mickey Rooney. Oh, no, he, said, he said Mickey Rourke. Oh, my God. It's also way more. You could actually see that being a show. <laughs> with Mickey Rourke, not with Mickey Rooney, though. Right? It was funnier, but less serious. Oh. With oh Mickey Rourke, it's kind of like, yeah, that that feels like a documentary. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know <laughs> what was there, and the dog was Tom, there. Tom, Tom oh. Sizemore hanging out. Now it's a whole new joke to me. I'm thinking about Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Mickey Rourke's in the next version of The Expendables. No, no. <laughs> what have you been doing since the last one, Mickey? Let me show you. <laughs> All right, so the debut of The Atheist Point of View, the first regularly scheduled broadcast in the United States to promote atheism, was on June 3rd. Madeline Murray O'Hare, the president of the Society of Separationists, purchased time for a 15-minute program that ran from 10 to 10.15 p.m. every Monday. In accordance with the FCC's Fairness Doctrine, the show had to be allowed to air and was hosted by Pastor John Barclay of Austin Central Christian Church. I don't know if you guys remember Madeline Murray O'Hare, but man, she just seemed like a very unhappy person. Like a baby's open grave. <laughs> she, I mean, she was the you know the the person who brought like atheism into quote unquote pop culture, or whatever, into like you know some, like people who actually knew what atheism was. But she just herself seemed very unhappy, and her life was just very weird. Her 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 death and disappearance, whatever you want to call it, her whole life story is very interesting and odd. I recommend yeah, reading. Be, I recommend reading up on her if you're interested in something. Huh. There'll be a movie at some point, maybe. Yeah, I think it probably will. I mean, like the whole, you know, it's just yeah, she's got a very strange life. Had a very strange life. All right. Hmm. She looks like everybody's grandma. Picture here. All right. So Scott Wolf, American actor known mostly for Party of Five. So there's that. Uh, was born on June 4th in Boston, and that's and the other thing. Dragon. Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. So news coverage of the assassination of presidential hopeful and U.S. Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy Jr. dominated the major networks. He was shot immediately after a press conference on June 5th, dying in the hospital 26 hours later of multiple gunshot wounds. That was not manslaughter. No. No, Sirhan Sirhan is actually... Uh up for parole here in a couple of years, I think. Oh, really? Yep. <clears throat> well, all right. Then. He, sh- he shot 
Ken, uh, Kennedy so many times that uh, like five other people got shot. That's Is how, that how shooting works. That's how. Well, I mean, like he shot you shoot so somebody many. enough times, other people start <clears throat> to get shot. Yeah, if you like unload enough bullets into somebody and they go through and shoot other people, yeah, oh, that I is how it like the that body is only how it works, a... Joel. Yeah, bullets th- go through things. Well, I thought maybe a body only had a capacity for so many bullets, and then after that, it had to redirect them to other people. Like, no, you know, like people. It, it's, uh, yeah. it's not like a fireball in Dungeons and Dragons or something. Ah, like there's that. there's no spread damage to uh, <laughs> a bullet. Well, I suppose if his aim is really off, I mean, if you just like fill the air. The last person to to talk to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. before he before he died was a busboy. They they shook hands and you know and then the busboy was just saying you know nice to meet you whatever and Sir Hans Hans stood up and boom shot him. Whoa! You mean boom 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 you know something like that. Let's go back to my room so we can do it. And lastly, sports. Moving on. Frank Thomas, nicknamed the Big Hurt, was the first baseman for the Chicago White Sox and was named 1993 MVP. He was born May 27th. Jeff Bagwell, Houston Astros star and member of the World Championship team, was also born May 27th. Both men are in the Hall of Fame. I met Frank Thomas once. Hmm, when, I was, neat. when I was working at the uh, the bank over at the Hancock Center downtown. Oh. Yeah. He, he came in, walked up from like, like, to say he was big is the wrong word it the, <laughs> the man had his arms were bigger than my thighs Jeez. just he yeah. was the brute squad yeah pretty much wow and like the funny thing is is like there are athletes that are literally like 50 percent bigger than him like shaquille o'neal would make frank thomas looks look normal but shaquille o'neal has one thing going for him he's got a personality <laughs> and well you know he's also seven foot one and 350 pounds he's got that going for him too well yeah. and he shazam <laughs> Wait, no, that's not for him. That's the other way. Yeah, yeah, that goes in the that goes in the con column. (laughs) Moving on into sports, George Hallis retired from coaching on May 27th, finishing with 318 regular season wins and six NFL titles. Yeah, widely considered one of the best coaches of all time. And lastly, the Indianapolis 500 was run on May 30th rather than on Memorial Day because rain had repeatedly postponed qualifying trials. Bobby Unzer won the race with a record speed of 152.9 miles per hour. By the time of the finish, all but 11 of the 33 cars had been put out of the race by mishaps or accidents. Wow. So I guess the track still wasn't ready. <laughs> well, that's why people that go to see it. That was kind of how our... Oh. oh, I said that's just the reason people go to see the uh, race. It's not for the race. It's for the crashes. A lot of yeah. them. Most of them. That result is kind of how our dorm floor played IM Sports. Like, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has to join the team because we don't know how many will be left by the end of the season. Yeah, we're going to injure like three guys on the other team, two of ourselves, four of us are going to get kicked out. Yeah. We, treated, we treated every intramural sport like Blood Bowl. <laughs> oh my God, I remember playing goalie when we were doing the uh, indoor hockey. Yep. <laughs> Just like more hockey. Yeah, that was that was the most brutal one. <laughs> Although my, my most brutal like should not have done it was still basketball. Yeah, I played basketball like it was floor hockey or pro, <laughs> yeah. pro wrestling. I don't want to be a concern, but why does he have a stick? <laughs> no, Josh, Josh was out there putting suplexes on people. <laughs> what, guarding too close? You pile-drived him. <laughs> so too close, then. <laughs> I'll step back. All right. Take us out, keyboard, Joel. Nah, 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 nah. All right. So, the prisoner... Uh, ran from 1967 to 1968. 
after resigning, a secret agent is abducted and taken to what looks like an idyllic village, but is really a bizarre prison. His warders demand information. He gives them nothing, but only tries to escape. Why did you resign? <laughs> Why? Uh, this is created by number six himself, Patrick McGowan, uh, starring... Now, I put this... This is an order of who has appeared most in all of the all the episodes. That makes sense. <clears throat> so Patrick McGowan as number six. Angelo Moscat as the butler, who was the little midget walking around with the umbrella. He was oh, in yeah. all but one of the episodes. I was pretty sure he was in just about all of them. Yeah, there was only one that he wasn't in. Uh, Peter Swanzik as the supervisor. He was that skinny guy with glasses. Kind of looked like my dad without a mustache. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Leo McKern as number two. So the number two that was in three of the seven essential episodes. Right. Uh, Colin Gordon as number two. He was another one of the, the earlier number twos. Dennis Shaw as the shopkeeper. Vanilla Fielding as the announcer and telephone operator. And then Frank Mayer as McGowan's stand-in and stunt fight double. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were uh, five different actors that played number two in the run of the show. There was George Baker, David Bauer. There's a lot more than five. Yeah. There, oh, crap. Page break it, there. Ah, sorry. Every, every, page break. Yeah, every single episode was a different number two. Just well, about. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Swanwick, no, uh, Colin Gordon played number two twice, and Leo McKern played him three times. Everybody yeah. else played him once. Yeah, uh, the one... Or her. Yeah, there was a her. Uh, my personal favorite was, outside of Leo McKern, uh, Peter Weingard um, was one of the uh, one of the number twos also. He, let's try to think of what he was in. You definitely re recognize him. He played a character called Jason King, and, oh, I had it in the notes. It's probably later on in the trivia. But, um, yeah, this was kind of a, a, a weird thing for the 60s. <laughs> That's well, saying a lot. And every show as a puzzle owes its existence to the prisoner. Yes. Lost. From Lost, yeah. yeah absolutely. Any, any, any episodic show that you have watched, at the end of it you've gone, what the hell was that about? owes everything to this move this show because just about every episode that i watched i was like what the hell was that about yeah lost persons <clears throat> unknown uh just there's a ton of stuff like this mm, oh like uh, uh 12 monkeys another one i mean just just mm -hmm. anything any of those kind of like uh psychotic Jerry gilliam's entire career pretty much yeah <laughs> uh so yeah the filming started in 1966 uh in port moran Port, Port Marion. Port Marion, near Port Madog. <laughs> and in Wales. Uh, the location actually inspired the show, uh, was not disclosed to the very end credits, or the opening credits of the very last episode, uh, where it was actually a hotel in Hotel Port Marion in Penrhydynynth, North Wales. I, I, I can't even help you with that one because that's yeah. Welsh. There's, yeah, exactly. I don't speak Welsh at all. Yeah, so uh, a lot of the extras in the show were local residents that uh, they're just like, hey, put on this wacky clothes and walk around with umbrellas. Wow. Uh, the village setting was further augmented with uh, some of the backlots uh, facilities at MGM British Studios, which was a lot of the inside Crazy Pants stuff. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, <laughs> when this show was airing, thought it was you know a set, it was built, you know, and no, this is an actual place, like most... The whole story. Well, I'll get into the story of it after the trivia. Oh, we're not even to the trivia yet. Yeah, he's just talking about the actual show. Oh. So, according to James Follett, who was a protege of George Markenstein, 
Markstein, uh, they had mapped out an explanation on what the village was. Uh, <clears throat> John Drake was the lead series, lead character from a series called Danger Man. Which was Patrick McGowan's first, uh, first role. Yeah. yeah. Uh, their idea was that, and McGowan's idea also, was that there was a place where they would have to take all these people that retired and pose a security risk and you can't just let them wander around because they're going to get kidnapped. So it's some sort of place where they could live out the rest of their lives peacefully. But that got kind of twisted and turned around when it became the prisoner and it became a prison like uh, for where people who had retired, then they didn't know why to pull more information out of them, that sort of thing. It, it kind of started, they were discussing danger, man, you know, and they were like, when when they were just, they were discussing well, how how do you end a series like this? What do you do with a character like this? You know, for a final episode, and they were that got them talking to like you know what what do spies do when they retire? And well, then... he was in a show called The Secret Agent that ended the same year this started. McGowan was Danger Man was called Secret Agent in uh, oh US. That was the alternate show yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, okay. Gotcha. same, and same show. <clears throat> it has been Mark Mark Stein has actually said that number six is Drake who was in Danger Man. Whereas Patrick McGowan has said it's definitely not their different characters. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just yeah difference of opinion. You know. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's honestly that's you could pretty much put this that as a subtitle for this uh, this show is the prisoner a difference of opinion because everyone's gonna watch these episodes and all have different takes on what the hell just happened. Well, yeah, and I think that just about anyone would agree that most of what you see is symbolic in nature and a subject to multiple interpretations. There are some that are pretty obvious, like any symbolism in any piece of literature, but like some of it is meant to be discussed and dissected. Mm -hmm. And I, I almost parry this with like, uh, I just lost the name of the movie. Uh, the, the top is spinning at the end. Oh, Inception. Inception. Yeah, I mean, when I finished watching these, the episodes, it was almost like an Inception kind of thing where you're like, what the hell just happened? I What did I miss that I'm not, this isn't making sense to me, and almost have to go back and start looking at it again? And I think that, like, the ending of The Sopranos, this is going to be the first time where the ending hits and everyone's like, what the fuck was that? Yep. And a lot that of people are angry. anything. Yeah. 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 So uh, everyone agrees uh, that... The they only produced 17 shows, and everyone knows the first show and the last two episodes are in place. So the arrival and Once Upon a Time and Fallout are the last two. There's been a lot of conversation about the other intermediate 14 episodes, and Patrick McGowan actually in an interview had said that they initially got BBC to make them 26 episodes for worldwide syndication. He had only seven that were what they what I found was called the Patrick McGowan's What Really Counts episodes. So and that's from the uh, official Prisoner Companion. And so it was Patrick McGowan saying, okay, if you just want to know what happens to number six, these seven episodes explain his story. Now, the other 14, The Girl Who Was Death, Do Not Forsake Me, My Darling, and a couple of the other ones <clears throat> were made um, as padding because they wanted 26, and he had only written seven. So he's like, okay, well, they added these other ones. And there was also... That one, the Don't Forsake Me, My Darling, was when uh, McGowan was shooting Ice Station Zebra, so that one was kind of janky for the rest of them. But the yeah, so he, he was barely even in that episode. Yeah, so he goes. So then they said that was the one that was kind of weird for everything. But Arrival, Free for All, Dance of the Dead, Checkmate, The Chimes of Big Ben, Once Upon a Time, and Fallout are the seven that McGowan has said 
tells you the story of number six. Yeah. And especially in those off episodes, McGowan was notorious for being really hard on the directors that would come in. Like he'd get angry and like fire the director on the second day of shooting. Well, I mean, in his, I don't say in his defense, but actually in his defense, how do you effectively explain this to somebody who's just coming to direct one episode. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that like this was a passion project that was mostly in his mind. And like, if somebody isn't getting it, he, he's just going to be like, no, you're doing it wrong. You want to do your vision. Fine. Do your vision somewhere else. Right. <laughs> this is my vision. Now I, in thinking about this, did not realize apparently Patrick Magoon had a lot of clout back then. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, there was talk about uh, that the finale was uh, the most watched episode of television in British history at the time. Wow! And it got to the point where people were so angry about the ending being so bizarre that Patrick McGoon was attacked on the street and fled the country. <laughs> what I the mean, hell is that about? It was weird, and I was like, what the hell? But I, I'm not, like, mad at him. Like, and you'll note that it was important enough to Britain that despite the fact in syndication, a whole bunch of other stuff got Beatles songs pulled from them in later years. You still got a Beatles song in this final episode. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll get yep. to that eventually. But, yeah. like, that's weird, like, the Beatles allowing you to, in perpetuity, use one of their songs. Yeah. That's, I mean, and the thing is, it's ridiculous, but it fits, but we will get to that. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Rover, uh, the giant white balloon that scared the crap out of me the first time a couple saw these episodes on reruns back in the, the 80s, um, initially was supposed to have been a robotic machine that ran on rails hidden just under the water. Uh, they tried that. The machine tipped over, fell over, and then sank. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it fell in water, damaged the motors. They weren't able to use it. And then... Patrick Magoon had actually seen a weather balloon floating around and came up with the idea of Rover being this balloon that travels on its own. Um, They would use the effects, I mean, just really simple stuff, uh, practical effects of just running a wire on Rover and then playing it backwards to have him chase somebody. Or if there were several times also where the wire was actually attached to whoever it was that Rover was chasing. Well, the thing with Rover is, is even though it's a giant balloon and it's not very menacing in that, right? When they add the sound to it, that sound freaks me out. Well, and it's just like one of those things you might laugh at the whole concept of, you know, a balloon coming and whatever. But I mean, if it's like, like a thick like material and not just like a thin latex that you could just pop with a with a hangnail, you know, I mean, and you're trying to swim away from it, it's going to kill you. And I think it's implied that the thing is coated in some sort of chemical because like people who survive Rover, which is most people, it's mostly to disable, like they have to go to the hospital and make sure they don't have any after effects. Right. I mean, it's, it's clearly more than just a balloon in, right. you know, in the world. Oh, yeah, because initially, I mean, first off, it's a big weather balloon. Oh, a big weather balloon. I'm just going to step to the right. No, it's following me. Yeah, it's got some sort of sentient. Yeah, it's it's being controlled in some format, or it's got its own like animal-like intelligence. Mm -hmm. And Rover, Rover showed up all over the place. Also, was actually in uh, a Simpsons episode. Mm -hmm. Rover was in there also. So it's one of those. I mean, again, it's I. You don't realize the cultural significance of the show until you go back and you look at all the different references that it's been in across the years. There's been a lot of things that have gone on. Like, if you haven't watched The Prisoner, you, things have happened in, like, the reference in The Simpsons, and you're, and you're just like, 
okay, don't know what that was. You just move on. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. Um, like I said, the butler, uh, played by Angelo Muscat, never speaks and appears in more episodes in, than anyone else other than Patrick McGoohan himself. So, uh, for the the first time I saw this, I swore to my dad that that the butler was number one. Yeah, I thought that too. I did. I was like, there's no way that this guy is going to be in every single episode and not be the most important thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really, I said, I thought the same thing as I was watching, because I watched the entire series. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm agreeing with you. All right. Okay, so uh, also, <laughs> Iron Maiden, <laughs> it's did two songs based on The Prisoner. One was called, uh, on, it was on the album Number of the Beast, and one song was called Back in the Village, and one was called The Prisoner. Clever. So Yeah. So inside the uh, inside cover, they also gave credit to Patrick McGowan for the Prisoner intro in the great TV series. Uh, later, uh, made an album, Dance of Death, takes the inspiration from... Oh, Bergman, sorry. Little, keep keep going up Iron Maiden there. <laughs> Little yeah, Iron Maiden trivia jumped in there. We'll, we'll fix that in post. Yeah, no, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> so was this a first viewing for any of us? Me. Oh, oh really? really? See, this seems like would be right up your weird-ass alley. <laughs> my ass isn't that weird uh, right up it <laughs> but, but your alley is off the charts take your McGowan. uh yeah no, this is the first time i've ever seen it i had never wasn't even aware of it until patrick started talking about it and once i sat down to watch it i'm like you know what i'm just gonna keep watching and eventually 17 episodes later i'm oh so you watched all of them even possible considering i had the dvds in college I, I don't remember it. Yeah. I don't. I must have blocked that out because I knew it was coming, that Pat was going to be talking about it, so I just blocked it out. And I I used to talk about it all the time. I mean, not all the time, but I brought it up, you know, not infrequently. Hmm. I'm sure. I just don't remember, you know. It was so all just, a blur. It just shows that you were never paying attention to me. What? What? <laughs> so, uh, so Josh, Patrick, and I are have all have seen all these before. Patrick, you watched mm-hmm. them when you were a kid? Yeah, so my story, the reason that I have uh, been pushing for this for, you know, the five years of the show, the reason that I have a love relationship with this is this was one of my father's favorite shows. Um, and as a as a kid, he showed me these on VHS. Uh, he had a whole the whole collection. Every episode had its own big plastic case um, and they were all big and colorful. And he displayed them with all, you know, out in the living room with everything. I mean, he loved this show unironically. I mean, he just. He, you know, he he watched it when he was a kid when it first came out, you know, and well, I guess he wasn't a kid at that point. He was 20. But, um, still, he he really liked the show and passed that love on to me. Um, I enjoy it more ironically than my dad did. Um, I know that it's really not like, you know, it's not high cinema or anything. I know it's not the best television show out there or anything, but it just can't be fun. And it's just like, you know. We'll get into the the specifics of of every episode and all that kind of stuff if we want. And, and but it, my love for the show is simply because it was one of my father's favorites. And huh. uh, so yeah, I've watched this show with my father before um, on DVD and on VHS. So I've seen it twice before. And then watching uh, for this for the show here, I just watched uh, Magoo's seven episodes. I didn't watch I didn't watch all seventeen again. But I've I've seen them twice. Yeah. I've 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 watched I saw this a little bit when on, on reruns and and serial when the 80s when back then on regular TV but then when I started working at the video store I came across it again and watched the entire series brought you know because I can bring home the videos I watch them so I've seen it the entire series a couple times um and it was the same 
the same feeling. It was just this weird, the first time I, first episode, finished watching that, watched episode two, and I'm just kind of like, what the hell was that? <laughs> Didn't you used to play it in the background at the video store, though? Yeah, I did. I would, when I, after I started watching it, I would put in the episodes at the store, and people, you know, I got, my boss would be like, all right, you got to stop playing that. I'm getting phone calls. Because <laughs> people are just like, we, we try, you know, we, we, we go to the video store, we want to see these previews for movies that are coming out. And like, and he was like, well, why don't you just put on the trailers for Ghost and all this? But I got in trouble for putting all sorts of porn. Nah, <laughs> not, I mean, I, 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 I never my, put porn my, on. Mike's over in the corner hanging up the phone like, I need my own. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I. Uh, no, what I would put on is like I the the rule was you could put on anything that was PG. So in nine, let's see, my I started working at the video store in 1990. So I'm like, oh, airplane is PG. Pop that one in. Get a phone call. You're playing airplane. Nah, can't. Now that's on the no list. Eh, put on mash. <laughs> it's just like it's PG. You know, give me a list if you don't want them. Otherwise, I'll just keep building this list from here. You know. <laughs> But no, I mean, it's. I started watching. I really liked it because it was that crazy ass type of thing. And you know, then for this one, just like that, I watched it again. Just the seven episodes, the core episodes. Josh, what about you? Uh, I was a big fan starting in college. I'd been exposed to it through several different people, and uh, I was fascinated by the idea of it and bought a couple of the DVDs. Uh, I the older. I get the more I think I I disagree with Pat that this is just campy that it's uh, not as brilliant as everybody says it is because I no. I think that especially for its time like this is I'm not gonna say that there's no pretension but like it, it, there's a uh, more heavy symbolism and like talking about social issues than the average '60s fair. Yeah, I'm not saying it's all camp. I'm just saying. My father's love for it had, you know, was not a campy love at all. That yeah, was my, I, my point. I, and I don't think mine is any percentage, ironically. Yeah. Like, I, I'm all in on this, especially I had not seen every episode. I hadn't even seen all of the seven core. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not hardcore, you know, unironically loving it. But, I mean, I definitely, I definitely do love it. But, but and now having watched the seven core in order, like, I'm, I'm all in and I'll probably go back and make sure that I've rewatched the couple other of the other ten that I've missed over the years. Yeah. My my love for it would be much more uh, much more pure, I guess is a word for it, if the final episode had not been just such a clusterfuck. Well, the last two. Yeah. Well, but... let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get there because I have a different perspective. I I actually. The initial time I saw those, I had a similar opinion, but now I've come around on those. Yeah. So let's actually let's just start let's just start talking about the episodes. So it opens up um, in Port Marion, which, by the way, um, the, the story on that on on the location itself, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but there's an architect in I think it was Spain who uh, saw lots of different buildings around Europe that were just pretty much getting you know, demolished and or just, you know, disrepair and, you know, entropy. And he started buying up a bunch of like old castles and buildings and stuff that just kind of struck his eye. And he had them literally physically moved to this uh, land that he owned. And he founded this little city of Port Marion and people <laughs> moved into it and everything. And it, it was an actual like functioning place that that's why the architecture is so odd because it's, it's, 
influence, you know, architectural influences from all over Europe. And he just bought up and moved. So it's just such a, it's a really real eclectic place. You can still to this day, go visit. I don't want to go visit because I may never leave. <laughs> and that's, you know, you know, spoilers for the then, but I mean, that's, that's one of the things that kind of made the prisoner the prisoner was the setting. And that's one of the kind of the things that it, it lost in the remake, but like, it's, we'll get there, but the setting was so important to this show. Port Marion is almost like its own character. For sure. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that, and that's one of those places where, like, especially when you see it from above, you're like, oh, that looks like a pleasant place. <laughs> but there's just something so unsettling about it. Yeah, and there's, I mean, so many theories. <laughs> I started, if you if you do a search for the prisoner theories, it you, you go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, this is the perfect show for the internet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think that like the specific the the people that are doing deep dives on what it all means are missing the point. I mean, it's meant to be a symbolic examination about two forces, conformity versus rebellion. And like every single episode mm. examines some way those two things clash. See, I saw so, it as conformity versus individualism and versus rebellion. I mean, because his his whole statement of I am a I am a man, I am and will not be numbered. I am not a number. Well, yeah. the, I mean, the, the, the rebellion is against conformity and it, it's against not being an individual. So you're both right. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's uh, uh, you've got the established social order, the uh, the man, the government, all of that on one side and the desire to say, you know, I'm not just going to be a cog in the machine. And what happens when no matter how much you rebel, you find yourself serving the machine anyway. And that is kind of like the prisoner starts. He's successful. Something happens and he's back where he started again. And everything serves the machine by the end. And then by the end, you go into more interesting places where it's like this whole time we've been saying, hey, rebellion, individuality, good, uh, conformity, bad. Well, is that always true? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what, that, yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That there's kind of a dark side. There are consequences and there's a cost to always rebelling against society. Well, I mean, it's, it's I mean, not to get political about it, but it's a, it, it's kind of like the, the libertarian thing. It's like libertarianism is all about individual freedom and, and the power of the individual and everything. But it's like, you, you can't run a government that way. I mean, you, you can't, there has to be some sort of, you know, group think, cultural think, you know, conformity mentality there has to be some level of that there has to be someone who's going to 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 lead there has to be someone you know people that are going to follow you can't have every single person being their own chief and ironically you get to the point where and we're keying into themes in the final episodes where people who are respected as iconoclasts who have successfully rebelled against what everybody else is doing everybody else is like hey you're cool lead us and then you find yourself a leader of the machine, right? And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Instead, of, instead of fighting against the machine, suddenly you're you're you are the machine. Yeah, you're running in charge of it. And when a person in that position rebels, they cause a whole lot of damage. And uh, it, it's kind of this cycle that uh, of rebellion and oh wow, you're cool, you're a rebel, lead us. And uh, then also okay. suddenly, when when you're suddenly that leader, how do you deal with somebody who's rebelling against you? Absolutely, hundred percent. Machine guns and a midget. <laughs> so, 
that's how you that's how you handle that stuff. I so Sophie came and sat down with me to watch the show on the last episode. Oh my god, that is not I, a good jumping. No, point. she was just kind of like she was just kind of like, all right, we'll sit down. She sat down. It's and, like dropping the lobster directly in the boiling water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she and she goes the well, well when the midget. And the young guy with the top hat wearing the bell around his neck and number two after his haircut and coming back from the dead show up. He was just like, she goes, what's going on? It's like, she goes, I heard the Beatles and I came down because I thought you were watching something involving the Beatles. And what's going on? And there, there was absolutely, in my opinion, maybe maybe you guys can enlighten me. But when we get to the final episode, we can discuss it. There was absolutely no reason to bring him back to life because... They didn't need him for anything. They just brought him back to life just to do it. It was very odd to me. Well, I read some stuff about uh, Maguan, and he was doing... Uh, there was a lot of LSD involved <laughs> at the time. That makes a little more sense. Is, is what I read. That a lot of that, the last stuff was heavily drug-fueled. But yeah, so so like the first episode um, opens with him resigning, and then suddenly he wakes up. <sighs> in- <laughs> I was going to say, I wish I did stuff and it made thunder... Thunderclaps. <laughs> and he drive this little tiny yellow Open the door. <laughs> and then suddenly he no longer has his tiny little car and he is in his, in his nice apartment. He is in the village. He opens up his curtains and sees the city of uh, Port Marion or the village as it this is called. quaint little German town with lots of lederhosen. And... Finds <laughs> out that he no longer has a name. He is number six and the whole, the whole everybody in the village all has numbers. And the guy who seems to be in charge of it all is known as number two <laughs> and number two one of the one of the little gimmicks about number two is that um every episode almost every episode is he is played by somebody different which he is or theory, she. yeah yeah yep, or she which is the theory is that because the previous number two wasn't not able to get the information from number six it no. seems to be like the pressing issue is they want to know why he resigned because apparently when he resigned he didn't say why he just qu- up and quit there's also a lot of sweating <laughs> one of my favorite one, one of my favorite parts was random I, I can't remember what episode it was but it was like episode number four or five or something after he'd already been causing all kinds of trouble they, they, they're, they're like let's add this to his file he's you know, very agitated i mean you you need to jot that down you haven't figured that out by now <laughs> he goes around punching people all the time he's He's very agitated. You would be too if you're stuck in a place you don't want to be. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like that. That should have been obvious from day one. Why are we adding that to his file? Now, one of the cool, cool theories that I saw was when he first came into, uh, when he first came into the village and he goes to the goes to the store. That the the scene was kind of weird when the the store uh, the storekeeper says to the woman, "Oh, would you like a pineapple?" And she goes and she gets the pineapple and comes back. That I apparently one of the theories is, is they him requesting the pineapple is that they're announcing that he's new to the village and they're not sure whether or not he's a captor or a prisoner. So huh. some kind of code. Some kind of code between the people that are there because a, a pineapple is actually a uh, what's the word uh, a sign of hospi- hospitality hospitality. Oh yeah, I guess in that time it would have been. Yeah, so it was one of those things where it's like, oh, it's son of the hospital. Oh, new guy, some guy walks into the into the store with just her and him. We're having a conversation. Oh, why don't you have a pineapple? You know, type of thing was kind of a signal. And eventually the and the, resp- store... the response is supposed to be, no, thank you. I prefer kiwis. And that means you're a prisoner. There you go. 
So yeah, but that's, that, not, that's not at all true, by the way. No, don't, not at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of. I I went on the subreddit for um <laughs> on for the prisoner for the prisoner, and again, rabbit hole all the way down. Yep. So <clears throat> that's all. What'd you discover on there? A a lot of. Hang on, I'm marking this time. Well, who's who's eating chips? What is that? Yeah, what is that noise? I'm not even moving, and I'm. It hearing. almost sounds like a microphone is going against somebody's stubble. It could be my. It could be my beard. How close I, is I, the I, microphone to your beard, Patrick? It's not, but it could be. I mean, my, my beard is long. I, I I haven't trimmed it recently, so. Okay. I haven't moved. Yeah, I'm inches it's away. Exact. Okay. One. Well, it could, been, you... it could have been me, and like I said, my beard is very long. I, you are know, you I'm, hearing I'm... the crackling? No. Okay, the three other three of us are, so it's got to be on your end. Yeah, I, I moved the microphone a little bit. Okay, cool. Right. Lo siento. Count us in five, four, three, two, one. I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and the trampoline combat. Trampoline combat? Yeah, there's a whole scene where uh, number six is in the midst of trampoline combat with some other dude. They, they, they go this the must have been outside of the the, the core yeah, seven. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. trampoline combat. There's there's two different uh, two different times where he goes to this trampoline thing, and they're like dressed up in like uh, almost like samurai type garb, but it's uh, like padding. It's like if you imagine like hockey pads with a samurai look to it. So kind of like the, the sumo fat suits. Well, but they they're conformed to their body shape. They're not you know they don't make them bigger. They just are protective. Okay. But they're like fighting on these these trampolines in like this trampoline park. And they're fighting each other, and it's like it's, it's, it's like how you know Battlestar Galactica has their own little little made up sport for them to play. That's what this is for the villain. Yeah, it's oh. weird though. It's just like well, what the hell just happened? and it was like you know like a ten minute scene where they're fighting each other on trampolines. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, oh yeah, it's a prisoner. Okay. Yeah. Lots my favorite one, one of my favorite things in the prisoner is the uh, the seesaw camera guys. Oh in, yeah. Which they're never referenced. They never. No one ever says, "Hey, look this up." Hey, do this. Hey, no one even talks to them. Every now and then, they switch with somebody else. Someone will come and hold the the end down while somebody gets it on or off or whatever. Mm. But so, they're never used for anything. They're just there. And suddenly I mean, and, they. And, and suddenly in the in the finale, their their cameras turn into guns. And they're the most useless guns ever. Yeah, they can only fire like in one direction. <laughs> Shoot that guy! I can't. I'm on the. I'm, I'm rotated <laughs> I'm out on, already. I'm on a rotating seesaw. What do you I'm want? I'm still from at me? six o'clock. Wait for me to get to three o'clock. <laughs> and then Patrick McGowan has the. Uh, you know he he fights the uh, the machine gun seesaw thing by getting up close next to it. <laughs> well, Patrick McGowan or number six apparently is like one punch man. Every, that's all it takes from him at any point to knock anybody out. One punch and they're down. Although He's got was, fists of iron. It was a great sequence where Red, him, and Midget are all carrying machine guns, shooting their way out. That was oh hell yeah, cool. that was that was actually pretty. That was pretty, pretty badass. Yeah, it was a cool sequence. Uh, some of these, like I had forgotten how good some of his plans were, especially Checkmate. Yeah. Well, like, that first. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say the fact that I watched Checkmate and then chimes a Big Ben right in order, because like Checkmate he plays all of them and then in the end plays himself. Is that the one where he tries to get number two to think he's crazy? That's the one where he uh, figures out that the biggest thing keeping him there is not knowing who's a prisoner and who's a guard. Mm -hmm. And he devises the test and gets a little cabal to help him. Oh, right. Okay. And then at the end, his plan only fails because 
one of his compatriots applies the same test to him. And he mm -hmm. was so arrogant and self-assured that his uh, uh, accomplices presumed he was a guard and sold him out. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the episode with Peter Weingard. And I looked it up and what the big thing was. He played Clytus in Flash Gordon. Oh, OK. The dude with the yep. silver mask in uh, the Flash Gordon movie. Oh, yep. yeah, that one. Um, the, one he, the one that got crushed. Yeah. We need to figure out a way to do that movie. I want to watch that movie. They'll remake it eventually. I hope they not. They have to. They God. have to. Well, maybe maybe now that Queen is coming back again. Yeah. Starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> and you go from Checkmate to Chimes of Big Ben, where you go from the awesome plan that barely fails to the incredibly complex, like they are playing him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you know it. I mean, you 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 kind of wonder because you become paranoid as you're watching the show and you kind of wonder if maybe it is, but there's a point where you, you kind of let yourself go and you're like, wow, he actually did it. And then when he's in the office and you're like, Oh no, he just opens the cabinet. He didn't do it. Uh -huh. I and mean, you, you realize it before then, but. honestly, it was a pretty cool way of him to, to figure out that the chimes were wrong because if it was me, first off, I would have never gotten that far. And second of all, I would have never picked up that the time was wrong. I would have been like, oh, yeah, there's a chimes. Glad I'm out. And that scene is totally the same with uh, Captain America, where he wakes up and there's the ball game. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. the exact same scene it where totally there's a is. tiny detail they overlooked. And that's the reason he knows he's in a fake room. Huh. <laughs> he's also he's also like. Crap, I just shit in a box for the last 12 hours. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. And I sweat a lot. That's my number two impression, by the way. Or number six, sorry. You just uh, it was no, you were again. right the first time. It, it was, was, it was, number, it was two. number two was sweating. Uh, and it doesn't matter what number two it was. They were always sweating. No, I was just saying his impression was number two. Yeah. Uh, uh, very nice. Uh, uh, so, are, I mean poop. <laughs> He's talking about poo-poo. <laughs> So once upon a time, what the hell? It, it's like a college play, like a like a bad college play in my opinion. And you would know. Um, yeah, you were in it. I know, right? So this one apparently they have some sort of like psychological breakdown of number six going from birth to current time. Yeah, where, through Shakespeare's stages of man. Right. Whereupon he kills number two by. I'm not in. I've never been entirely sure why he why he died. Yeah, I mean that's the one part of it. Like I get the deep dive psychoanalysis. Like we're going to drug the hell out of him. Uh, we're going to make him regress and just and, straight up, straight up try to brainwash him. <laughs> yeah, like hit him at every stage of his life, seeing if there was ever a time when he would uh, completely give in to authority to the point where he'd tell us what he knows. And, like, I don't care that it's all weird and they're doing costumes in a room. Like, I, I'm down with the concept. Number two, dying at the end, it's like, okay, but why does somebody have to die? I don't get it. Well, they, they I mean, just because that was the, the story arc that they laid down from the beginning, that it's you or me. One of us is going to, this, this is going to kill one of us. Yeah, one that's what he says win. in the very beginning, right? When he sets the timer, you one of us is going to walk out of here alive. The other one's going to be dead. So... Maybe and I I think I think in his mind I just one of those things where he just created his own he stroked out basically created his own uh, uh, catastrophic event I guess for lack of a better phrase in his in his brain in his bo body whatever 
because he he failed and he just was he was so confident he was going to break him that it ended up breaking him. That he I guess that like they're so close, they're base almost one person, and the dominant will survives, and the one that is submissive, it, it just like loses themselves. Yeah, they just cannot survive in the same universe anymore. It's it's just come to a cataclysmic event, and mm-hmm. I get it. It's it's a little strange, but that's fine. Yeah, I mean it it goes with the narrative, you know. I think, and and this is also another one of the I like I like to pay attention to what's happening with my family while I'm watching shows for this. <laughs> Podcast. Before you say this, I was just going to say I, I think the way I think it's a perfect wrapping up of the the how do you, how do you wrap up the immovable force versus the you know or the the you know unstoppable force versus the immovable object? How do you wrap that up? Something has to something has to give. Right. So, anyway, go ahead. You you, oh, want, no. you like to watch your family? Well, I like to see how they react. I mean, because we've watched a lot. Well, I mean, we've watched some good stuff for this podcast, and we have watched some shit. And we've in the in between, there's a little gray area right there that says we've watched some really weird crap too, and I like to see what happens with my family when I put something on. You know, do they sit down and join me? Are they interested? Do they stay in the room and play on their phone? What do they do? This is another one of those episodes watching it, and they all sort of one by one got up and left. <laughs> Just <laughs> like, all right. I'm sitting down. Obviously, I needed to see at least 16 episodes before getting into figuring out what the hell's going on now. I'm just going to let him watch this thing. Um, but yeah, it, this whole thing was so... I mean, if if you had... Let's say you're you're watching... You haven't watched The Prisoner in 1968, and somebody says to you, you totally have to check out this show, and you think there's going to be 24 of them, and you jump on, and this, you imagine watching those, watching this in 68 and turning it on, this being the first episode you've ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> right. You'd just be like, what? Okay, apparently there's something wrong with my friends. Because... <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it incredibly trippy, and Joel, you had said there was some LSD involved, and I'm thinking it may have had a lot to do with this episode. I th- that's yeah I think so I mean I, that's what they said was towards the end he was well they probably in- felt like they needed to, to access certain parts of of the village and number two himself and to he get was, into the mindset they were trying to expand their horizons pretty heavily medicated yeah and so that's the, the episodes were influenced because of that um and I think that's kind of you could have come to that assumption but yeah you yeah. could definitely see the mind altering influence for sure Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and I, I'm not going to say that I, I disagree with Joel that it doesn't feel like a college student's one act, but like I, I kind of forgive it given what they were trying to do and how they were trying to reveal that part of the story to us. I'm not sure that there is another good way to do that, given all the heavy like this is how they try to break him. How, how do you break someone without risking their life? You're going to go with a heavy doses of drugs and crazy fringe psychology mm-hmm. and what would that look like well i'd probably look about like this <laughs> yeah with uh and it's and it's 60 sci-fi. it's 60 sci-fi so we gotta throw a midget in there somewhere what it was it i mean granted sci-fi does get weird every now and then what was it with about 60 70 science fiction where i mean it was like so freaking trippy drugs Okay. Well, <laughs> a lot of go. drugs and a lot of just speculation as to what the future was going to look right. like. You know, I was hoping it'd be something more poignant than just drugs, but I guess that's pretty much it. Well, I mean, re- really though, if you think about it, like I mean, th- that was a t- the time when we were starting to explore space. We had no idea what was out there. We had no idea what we we're going to see, and all we were, you know, we were doing was just speculating, like what's going to happen in the next fifty years. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, "Well, 
we're in space, so obviously we're going to have, you know, flying cars and stuff like that, and everything's going to be trippy, and everything's going to be, you know, they're going to love hexagons, obviously, we know that. <laughs> so. well, I'm still waiting on my, my seesaw machine gun tripod thing. <laughs> well, and you got to figure there's a lot of crossover between the people that are interested in what other worlds like, and then trying to find those other worlds for themselves by altering their brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a Venn diagram that isn't quite possibly just a circle, but it's going to be a lot of overlap. We don't have the internet on our phones yet, so let's see some LSD. And nobody, I mean, nobody but like William Gibson could have predicted the internet. With Scott the Pool Boy. (laughs) The internet with Scott the Pool Boy. No? I don't even think, well, you need to do a lot of drugs to predict that. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of a lot of drugs, let's talk about Fallout. I I stepped into this episode hoping for closure. Oh, that was your first mistake. <laughs> I know. Be, before we get too much into Fallout, I'm going to say real quick, like you, um, Mike, I, uh, I I watched this with my sister. I, you know, I watched this with family because she had never seen it before. And when I told her I was watching The Prisoners, you know, she'd heard Dad and I talk about it before. So she's like, all right, I want to watch it and see what it's about. And when I told my mom she was going to watch The Prisoner with me, my mom just rolled her eyes and walked away. Because <laughs> <laughs> my mother did not share the same affinity for the show as my dad. And she's like, she hates this show because my dad would always like try to make her watch it. And she's like, she's like, there's a stupid balloon in it and they're always running around doing stupid things and it's just dumb. I wonder how many times your dad would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I figured it out. <laughs> this is, ah, Christ, it's another one of your prisoner theories. It was, it was part of their vow. Part of their vows. I am not a number. He was sweating to the left tonight, so <laughs> I think I figured out the secret. But yeah. So, so my sister, she, we watched like I said all these seven episodes. So she watched all seven of them with me. And when we got to this episode, and the guy started singing "Dim Bones" and everything, that she was pretty much just like, "I'm just so done with this. Would this end, please?" <laughs> And and I, I that was when I came to the conclusion that my mom is right. This is not a show for women. Well, I you know I mean I don't I don't necessarily know why or how or I, I, but like it's just one of those things where where my mom is it's like it's just it's just too trippy and sci-fi-ish and she's like it's it's just not written for women. Well, we have a lot of expanded consciousness sort of uh, sci-fi fans who are uh, fans of our show, and I'd like to hear if any of them disagree with that statement if they're like this might not be a show for some women but this was a show for me Uh, i'm curious Um, yeah i'd like to know more than just my mother's opinion about that for sure yeah because i mean sci-fi is not just for dudes and i don't think it i mean sure there might be some that are pointed in one direction or the other but you're always going to have crossover well, I mean, this is, if you'll excuse the alliteration, it's science fiction, spy, psychedelic. Shrimp. Or, <laughs> I mean, symbolic. Scampy. I mean, there, there's a lot of S words about this show that are in a lot, like, it's not like spy fiction is just for guys. It's not like heavy symbolism is just for guys, but you do kind of cut down your potential audience every time you're like, we're going to have this show be about all this shit. Yeah, you do. I, I can see that where you, you're a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche for this, but and, somehow it became super popular because everyone was like, oh, Patrick McGowan. Oh, he's in this. I love him in that spy thing. I think he's a spy in this. 
You're kind of right. It's Britain in the 60s, there's three TV sh- channels. Right. Like, I'm not even joking. That's the, There was BBC One, Two, and Three. That yeah. was it. And so, you can only watch so much Julia Childs trapped on a prison before you got to watch Patrick McGowan in a prison. Her prisoner. Prison. Just when stop. was Julia Child in a prison? And I, when was she a feature of the BBC? I don't know. She's English, right? No, dude. No? No. Oh. I always thought she was English. Nope. American, French trained. Nothing to do with England. She just had a funny voice. So you think anybody with... You realize Mike Tyson is not British, right? He's, no, he's Scottish. <laughs> All right. So Fallout, the conclusion this, of this show. This is what you pay for, people. Yep. This is why the show is free. <laughs> and we remain so. She was from Pasadena. <laughs> he had to look it up. I did. I, well, I, I knew she was from the U.S. because of, uh, I think it was Julie and Julia, which if you haven't seen, you should. But that has nothing to do with the prisoner. Prisoner. No, the prisoner. So the fallout, yes. There's there's the one scene that um, I'm sure we'll get to where he finally meets number one. Kind of. Essentially. <laughs> he, which, talk about, see, that's where the, 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 the drug-fueled inspired sequence kind of hits home when you turn around number one and he's in a robe and he's a, a got a monkey mask on and then he takes off the mask and it's yourself his own face mm-hmm. yeah and the there was an original ending for this that was a little bit more pat where the idea was going to be revealed that he was actually number one all along and he was like the designer of the prison and they put him in his own creation and why messed with his mind so he wouldn't know but uh, McGowan decided to go this other more, we want to talk about bigger concepts in a very symbolic way instead. And like some of it's hard to watch. There's a little bit too much Dem Bones. Dem <laughs> Hey, like when, daddy-o. When the, whole, yeah, when the whole face mask choir gets in on it was a little bit too much. I was expecting the face mask choir to be kind of like that ominous voting on whether or not you survive and not, not a backup team. That's I, I, I expect, I expected more executioner, less pips. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So but like, ugh. I get what they were going with, like the two uh, conditions under which rebellion typically shows up in society. And like, it's tolerated if you're a kid until you go too far and then you get smacked down hard and then if you're part of the system and you decide to rebel, that can't be tolerated at all because you can cause too much chaos. Right. And I think that's why they kind of had to bring number two back because they needed that, uh, uh, the other side of the coin from the youth. Right. And they wanted an iconic number two. So they brought back the most popular and best known one. Right. Lazy Eye McGee. He had a wonky eye. I don't know if he's lazy. No, he had a wonky eye. Oh, and... Also pointed out, actually, Sophie pointed out when we were watching it, that he was actually the uh, bald cultist dude from Help with the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would not have uh, made that pick, but that's a good eye. Yeah. Ha, funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wasn't going there, but okay. <laughs> Since we're here. Um, and it's also worth stating that in between Once Upon a Time and Fallout, the show was suddenly canceled. So like there was, there were maybe going to do things different, but they're like, we got to wrap this up in one. Yeah. I can't even imagine the uproar that would happen if it ended just with uh, the inter- interrogation one once upon a time. I mean, that's the reason why you had the weird shaving scene 
uh, <laughs> between the episodes that supposedly happen one after another is like they didn't know they were going to get canceled. The actor went on to another part and uh, changed his whole look. And they're like, uh, we got to bring you back. Uh, we, we only get one more. We'll have to put in a crazy ass resurrection from the dead shaving scene. Slash makeover. <laughs> now you've got a mustache. It's like oh, Queer yeah. Eye for the Prisoner Guy. No. Queer Eye for number two? Queer Stop Eye for the Baby's Grave, please. Queer, queer um, Eye for the Resurrected Guy? Now what about the very last shot? Oh, you're talking about where he gets back into his car and goes off into the world, but then the butler goes into his house, which has a door that op- opens automatically, uh-huh. suggesting maybe he didn't actually get out after all. And the number one is on the door. Yeah. Because I, I watched this, I watched that last sequence a few times because I'm trying to dissect exactly what they were trying to imply. And yeah, there was there was a lot more going on than if you just initially just watched it and didn't pay attention. You'd be like, what the hell? I mean, granted, when they when they drove the prison truck out, when the, when the midget drove the prison truck out with number six, what was it? What was the, the yeah? And, the and suddenly they could just drive away. Like like yeah, why didn't they the just water. drive away at any other point? Well, because apparently only the midget knew the way out of the village because he's uh, actually number one. Okay, that's why he okay. went into the apartment because that's his apartment. Oh. There it is. He is number one. He well, also, he wasn't butler to him. Petra Magoon was like, hey, I'll drop you off at your place and I'm going to take off in my funny little car. Also, mm-hmm. Rover was destroyed on the way out. They launched the rocket, which did something. <laughs> it rocketed. It, yeah. It, 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 it did plot. It rocketed from the crib. <laughs> Do we ever know where the rocket wound up? Well, what I the don't hell know. was with the rocket? It, it I don't was know. the nude bomb. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it looked like, the nude bomb. <laughs> I think Thanks. it was implied that it was some, like... Launching the rocket is bad. It's it's not something you normally want to do. There's not a soon, whole lot of large rockets that are good to launch. So, like, the, the launching of the rocket triggered the evacuation of the village. It's like, this is the end of whatever we're doing here. Which kind of reminded me of the evacuation of Spaceballs. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, no, the village has gone from suck to blow. <laughs> well, and I think in some ways they wanted to show, okay, if you are put in charge and then you break out you cause a lot of chaos and destruction on your way to wherever you're going yeah but do you ever really get out it once you're in that position and i think the final shot is meant to tell you no not really you're, you're never truly free you can check out but you can never leave yeah well or if you do leave you just end up becoming the thing you hate yeah and you can convince yourself you're free for a while but, like, if you really think about it and you're really being honest with yourself, can you ever really be free of this struggle to conform and to be part of society? Because if you don't, like, you're just doing a bunch of nonsense. You're dancing around singing damn bones for 20 minutes. <laughs> like you got you to gotta find the, the, the medium ground between too much conformity and too much rebellion. Right, and I think that's where you really get in these last two episodes. It's like, maybe it's not all great to always be a rebel, because if you're not relating to people at all, you're not you're not doing anything of substance. And that's why I think like how annoying the Dembone sequence was. It was a conscious choice. This wasn't just let's do some weird shit to fill out the hour. Yeah, yeah, they weren't just like trying to be trippy or anything. But I, I mean, it's 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 kind of like. You know, to the point of, uh, in my opinion, the point is too much rebellion makes you just useless to society because 
for sure. You, you have to at some point, you know, contribute. You know, nece- you don't necessarily have to be a cog in the machine, but you can't be a monkey wrench in the machine all the time either. Right. And uh, too too much conformity. Well, we see what that like. You you lose your identity. You lose yourself, and uh, your entire life is meaningless. Well, and when does the alternative become the mainstream? Yeah, absolutely. And these were concepts that since the prisoner, it's well-trodden ground, but at the time, not so much. There are people starting to ask these questions, but not uh, on primetime TV. And not in, 19, for this. not in 1968, for sure. Yeah, Unless absolutely. On BBC Three. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so dumb. <laughs> Really cool. Joel doesn't understand maps. <laughs> so here's a question about number two. So number two, they escape. They drive to Great Britain. They let him off, and he just walks into Buckingham Palace. Through the peers' entrance. Yes. Yes, he, he walked in as a respected member of the government. He didn't go in like the uh, servant's door. He didn't go in the tourist's door. He, he just walked straight back in to where he could like have tea with the queen. And get saluted on the way in, so whoever was at that door recognized him. Yep. Lots of questions there. Going to get an answer? Not so much. Nope. <laughs> I, that, I think in a way, that was kind of Patrick McGowan, like, Given his own you to the audience, they're like, he's like, I know this is never going to be explained, but fuck it, let's just have some fun. Yeah, I'm walking right into the, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or or how about Patrick McGowan trying to explain to the cop what what's going on? Well, was seeing it when like looking over the shoulder from the midget where he's across the street. Yeah. And he's like breakdancing for him and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, there had to be an element. It's you know a little bit of just McGowan being like, whatever. At this point, they've canceled me. They've... I'm just gonna do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What are they gonna do? They can't, they have to show it, otherwise there's gonna be a riot. You know. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, there just has to be a small, there had to be a small element of him, like, I'm just going to, you know, fuck with some people and uh, and just do some breakdancing or something. You yeah. know? Well, and it's a little bit like some of the weirdness you get uh, in both the Twin Peaks reboot and the final couple episodes of Twin Peaks when it was canceled. And I think Twin Peaks owes a great debt to The Prisoner as well. It's another one of those shows. I almost mentioned it earlier, yeah. Yeah, so and that that's something we'll eventually revisit to uh, Patrick's chagrin. I'll be sick that week. Well, yeah. it's, and it's interesting that you love this so much and you hate that so much because there's a lot of things in common where you've got a setting where you fall in love with the setting and the characters, even though it is, in a lot of ways, objectively weird. Uh, yeah. it mainly it's it's a David Lynch thing, really. I mean, it has nothing to do with the subject or the you know or it's or his anything. Style of yeah, what, I just don't like choices. I, I, yeah, I don't like David Lynch things for some vehicles for some reason. Well, he doesn't like you. He told me personally. No, he didn't. He sent me an email. That was no, Julia Child. <laughs> that was Rover trying to get you to let your guard down. Oh, I better hop on my uh, my seesaw. <laughs> I gotta check this out from a distance. So, have we ridden this penny farthing to the end of the line? <laughs> yeah. Did they ever explain the penny farthing thing, or is it just I... that's just like the symbol? That's yeah, just I... the symbol, yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, I also posted in there, I have to I, a link to it on the Wikipedia page, but there was actually a kind of sequel to this in a co- uh, uh, comic run. Oh, yeah, the graphic novel or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, there's a graphic novel, and there's a very well-respected uh, analysis by someone who's like a, a super fan who takes it real deep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the the comic one was really good, where they wind up going back to the village, and number six be, kind of becomes is becomes a villain in that one. And actually, they passed every episode or every uh, issue of that comic to Patrick McGoon before it went to press, and he gave the thumbs up to every single one of them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's if you can find it, you know, get it. It's it's a good read. It does answer some stuff, but um, it's pretty cool. So. All right, Josh, I think I'm with you. I think we need to uh... take a break, come back, and uh, then we will uh, talk about the uh, reboot from, what was it, 2002? 2009. 2009 with Jim Caviezel and Ian McKellen. Yes, and Joel, on the way out, give us a sound of rover deflating. This is where Mike realizes that Joel has left. Joel is gone. That was great. <laughs> that probably the best impersonation that was he's the ever best done. Yeah. Good, good throw to. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right. So uh, yeah, we'll be back in a little bit. Sends Joel and uh, talk about 2009, The Prisoner. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about the 2009 remake miniseries of The Prisoner. So this one's based, like I said, based off the 60s version. The series concerns a man who awakens in a mysterious, picturesque, but escape-proof village and stars Jim Caviezel, Ian McKellen, Ruth Wilson, and Haley Atwell. It's co-produced by AMC and ITV, which is a British channel more than the three that they used to have. Uh, ITV now holds the rights to the original series, so that's how they got got in on that, and uh, received mixed reviews and critics feeling that the remake was not as compelling as the original. Uh, Directed by Nick Huron, Huron, uh, who's known for some episodes of Sherlock, some episodes uh, directed Altered Carbon, and it's a boy-girl thing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I'm assuming that that's a British show as well. Uh, boy girl thing. It's. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, it's um. He. It's a movie. It's kind of oh. like um. Uh, Freaky Friday with just a guy and a girl. Okay. But anyway. Uh, also, writing credits go to Bill Gallagher, who is known for Conviction. Jamestown, The Paradise, and Lark Rise to Candleford. Uh, a lot of period pieces <laughs> that are on here. Everyone's wearing big poofy dresses in these shows that he's known for. I see. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Oh, Mike! Mike just fell down a hole. No, Mike did not fall down a hole. Mike, Mike had to turn the space heater down because my leg was about to catch on fire. Oh. <laughs> Like, it happens. Yeah, it's a thing. Uh, series cast starring one Ian McKellen, Jim Caviezel, Ruth Wilson, uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer, Lenny James. Ray... Uh, the incomparable Lenny James. Yes. I'm yeah, what has he been in? What did I know him from? Lenny James? You should, yeah. yeah. You should know him from a bunch of stuff like Snatch. Walking uh, Dead. Yeah, Walking Dead is going to be his big one. Yeah. He was Morgan. Oh, I, I only watched the first season, so. Okay. Uh, uh Lockout. Column. I think Snatch is the one I recognize him from. Yeah, you definitely recognize him from Snatch. He was 
and hung. No, like, never watched I, that. I, uh, oh, uh, Jericho. That was another nope, one he was didn't in. Didn't watch that one. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I watched that one. We did that for the show. Yep. Okay. So I recognized him, but it wasn't like a nagging kind of. Yeah, thing. he's a character actor that like had a couple of pretty big parts in stuff that not everybody watched. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Blake and Haley Atwell. Uh, I was surprised mm. to see Haley Atwell in the cast list. I was happy to see her. Absolutely. Yeah. She's pretty, and she's good. It's a good combination. Yeah, so only six episodes of this one. Uh, ran as a miniseries. Intentionally. Two, six. Intentionally, six episodes. Yeah. Um, so I I wanted to have trivia about this. And they're, I mean, they say be seeing you in it. I mean, there's 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 some things to be said. I mean, but they, uh, this this is basically you know uh, more of a reimagining than a reboot mm-hmm. or a sequel or anything. It's uh, basically the same concept of uh, you know people being take, having their identities taken away, given numbers, and everything. But the whole, like, you know, this is a retired home for spies is out the window. It's basically just a, you know, no one really knows why why they're there. They're just told that this is all there is to life. The village is, there is nothing else. People that think, you know, of things outside of the village are called dreamers. Mm-hmm. You know, because they have images while they sleep of, you know, like the Statue of Liberty, for instance, or New York, or whatever, they think of things outside of the village, and it's it is and it's considered a bad thing. You know, you're a dreamer, and you know, like it's, everybody knows that you know two is, you know, is not a liar. He's telling them this is all there is, so it has to be all there is. Right, and so the it starts out with the all the all the shows are actually I believe I'm right. They're named after the same. Of same episodes from the original show, so the first one is yeah. called Arrival. Yep. Um, oh, and and one big difference um, is number two stays the same throughout this whole run. Yeah, yeah that's oh. pretty significant. And that and that was actually also uh, trivia. Is uh, John Lithgow was initially considered? Oh, I, he two. would have been really good. Yeah, but he was doing um, Dexter at the Dexter, time. Dexter, yeah, and that his turn as uh, the Trinity Killer was too good to not do. So I'm glad he did that. Right. So he he wakes up on the edge of the village. He sees an elderly elderly man, uh, I forgot his number, uh, being chased 909. down. 909. 909, that's right. Uh, being chased down. He shows up and everyone calls him Six. Um, he, yeah, right. They instantly know him. Like, right. <laughs> it's like, it's not that, hey, you're the new guy. You've been here all along type of thing. Um, right. That's, that's actually one of the spoilers. That was about all I found interesting about this. <laughs> <laughs> was that he was immediately assimilated? Well, well, yeah. The the whole take that they're going to go in a different direction and claim that everybody in the village believes that the village is the entire world—that's the official party line—and they've gone to great lengths to convince Six of that idea. Right. Uh, I mean, but otherwise, for my sake, I, I think they kept a lot of the surface level stuff from the prisoner and forgot to include the fucking point. Or, and, and, and they, 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 you know, part of the reason that this reboot reimagining, whatever you want to call it, does not have the soul of the original 
it really is, you know, not being filmed in Port Marion makes a big difference. That, like I said, that set was almost a character. And to not have that set, it's like leaving off, you know, it, it would be like leaving off number two. You've kind of, you know, lost one of the main parts of the soul of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think they should have, I think they should have redone it in Port Marion. It would have been interesting to see it. I'm not sure it would have been better though, because I, I don't. Mean, I don't think it would have helped, but it would have been. I think it would have been a good step. Well, because it seems to me like in Port Marion, you're you're in this town, but it it's it's a town, but it's got that little bit of darkness to it, a little bit of weirdness to it that you're not a hundred percent sure well, about. Because it's so like eclectic and thrown together, it's just got a an uneasy feeling to it that that it it just naturally has like a like. It doesn't flow and it and, and it doesn't have any feng shui. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, just feel unnatural. And everyone's got this forced, almost drugged-up happiness about the, the way they conduct themselves in the original. And this was just pretty much a place. Yeah, it was like, like they were at a resort. Yeah, it was like yeah, 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 this was like a sandals. Yeah, yeah, you're anywhere, but for some reason people are referred to by numbers because reasons. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, there was no reason for people to just be called numbers. They could have had names; it wouldn't have mattered. It and really, it literally wouldn't have mattered. Part of the explanation for everybody just having numbers is that it l- created less dreamers. If they had used their real names, if they had used the names, and that would have been a conflict of, you know, oh hey, oh he, why he keeps calling me Frank? My name is John, because you in, inside they know what their names are. Mm. But they're being called I'll a number was a little bit more generic and a little bit easier for them to adapt by just having numbers. I so, mean, the thing that gets me is you've got all these big top level concepts in the first one where you're dealing with symbolism and philosophy. And the b- big pull to update this one is the surveillance state is bad. Wow. Way to go out on a limb there, guys. Right. <laughs> and, and accusing people, you know, without proof is bad. Yeah. It's well, okay. So, <laughs> six episodes. Uh, second one, he he tries to escape the village. He has a not well done attempt to do the village, and they bring in his brother, number sixteen, who swears that he's his brother. And I actually kind of liked that episode, as down as I am on this series. The episode, I did too. I, I I did too. I was I was warming up to it by the end of this episode and then i was just tired <laughs> by the end of the next one and this thing is like i could see i could see them doing i mean if you're trying to convince somebody that they belong there and they've always known you try and um gaslight them with somebody who comes in and says hey oh no we've been brothers forever you're just i mean and they almost did it I yeah think- where he's starting to think maybe i am crazy i mean do i want to hurt these people who i'm starting to form a bond with what if everybody's right? Yeah, yeah. What if it's me? It really, it really does start to work, and then suddenly, <laughs> his brother cracks. Right. Which kind of threw things. I mean, I then they all go out and look at an anchor in the middle of the desert, trying to figure out that there's more to it past this. It. It just seems like they had a lot of really good ideas that they could have expanded more on, but they it's like it was due at midnight and they started writing the show at six. Yeah, and it's not that the stuff that they added was bad. It's just 
the stuff that they added was superficial and secondary to the point which they left out. I mean, the uh, reality of the mystery of what the island is and why the island is. You look at the original, and that doesn't matter at all. Right. And the other thing is, Patrick McGowan, he played number six with a, I know something's wrong, I know something's going on, I'm going to play along with your game, but I'm going to try and get the upper hand. Jim Caviezel is kind of like, I'm number six. There you go. I yeah. That's one he's of the. He's more like the crazy village idiot mm-hmm. than this guy that the whole village almost revolves around because it's like he's going to be a disruptive force of rebellion and individuality in a society that doesn't have any of that. No, and you're right. It was more like, oh, there's crazy number six again, saying that there's something beyond the beyond the village. You know, everybody knows there's nothing there, but then they put these. I uh, and in the writings of it, we swear we didn't mean that they were supposed to look like the uh, twin towers mm-hmm. that show up in the back. And you know, you there's the follow the towers. There's a lot of little hints that are never fully. Yeah, the whole towers out. thing is just never touched. It's just never explained. Well, it kind of was when they finally get to the towers. They discover there, and they actually walks into an uh, uh, the office building. But there was never. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I've watched a lot of weird stuff, but there's no explanation to why. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it. Well, why is this MacGuffin here? Why? You know, like. Yeah, there was just no explanation as to you know it just, it just and why is it you know it's it's clearly seen. Why has nobody else ever explored it? You know. It, yeah, and that's the thing is there's a lot of we're gonna tell you what, but. Like, there's no logical explanation why in anything is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, and, there was no real explanation for anything in the in the first one, to a point. Yeah, but the first one replaces that with this uh, obfuscation is uh, on purpose to get you thinking about big deal issues. Yeah, and because in the first one, you know, it doesn't matter who built... Port Marion, why it's there, where it is, all that matters is get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the, and uh, the idea that in the original six doesn't know if the people who have captured him are the government he worked for or the enemies he spied against. And by the end, it, it really doesn't matter because there's some of both and are, are the sides even relevant? Right. Uh, and, one, yeah. one. I'm sorry. One, one thing that I did like about this one, you know, the, I mean, the the ending explanation, you know, that everything is pretty much happening inside of, uh, inside of Two's wife's head, you know, and it's kind of cool. I mean, I'll give it, but I mean, it, it's it's just it's not the prisoner. You know, I mean, that's one of the problems I have with this whole thing. It's 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 another one of those things like we've run into several times during our run, where. It's, this would be a cool concept if it was its own standalone thing. Calling it by the name of what it's trying to remake kind of cheapens the overall product. It would be better as a standalone, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. If this was if this was called, you know, mystery mystery resort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, um, oh God, the village sandals edition or something. I don't know. <laughs> But you know, it's just 
yeah, the, the the coolest concept to me was the fact that um, the son was the only one that wasn't an actual person. He was like a construct, and that's why the whole thing started falling apart in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because they they couldn't have their own children, so they invented him in this you know world in her head, and that's what caused everything to kind of fall apart. Kind of cool. And that, but I mean, again, just not the prisoner. Yeah, I like you said. I'm I was spent the first five episodes trying to figure out who the good guys and who the bad guys were. There was, I mean, in the in the original prisoner, there is a definite line. You know who the you know number two and uh, who was the guy with the glasses, the the administrator. You know they're the bad guys. Or at least yeah. the opposition. Right. They're the ones and, that are going up against against number six. The number six is rebelling against. In mm-hmm. this one, it was just kind of like, you know, Magneto just kind of wanted to have a nice, happy resort. Why, why? Just relax and enjoy the resort, number six. Why is it such a problem? <laughs> why don't you want to live at my sandals resort? Exactly. Another big complaint. Um, it, well, you know what? Damn it. It's gone. I was waiting for you to finish, and I had a thought, and now it's gone. Uh, that there was no, while Haley Atwell did play a great scene for this one, she really, there was really no emotional connection to the previous lives that allowed us to have any sort of um, emotional bond to what was going on with them well, in it's, the it's, resort. It's hard to feel, you know, that the, the characters have, you know, this indomitable, you know, chemistry when it's basically based on a one-night stand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe it's going to turn into a, relation, a relationship eventually, but right now it's a one night stand and they both have puppy love. You know, they're well, they're full of lust. You know, it's not like a. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the other thing is is that they had a lot of potential to be able to do something cool with. He quit this company, which uh, sometimes it's a government thing. Sometimes it's just a, you know, a faceless, uh, incorporation entity. entity. I remember what it was. Oh, I was upset to, at, the, at the lack of uh, no seesaw camera. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, well, you got, but you got nine oh nine, who everybody's you know guilty until you're proven innocent. So nine oh nine was kind of freaky ass. Um, but the, now you made me knock on what else? Oh, there was no uh, <laughs> the the cool thing about Haley Atwell showing up with them, uh, and the apartment in the real world was that there was this potential for I quit my job and now they have somebody who's going to, who has been hired to follow me after this. There could have been a whole, like almost kind of lost ish type of thing. What's going on in the real world? What's going on on the Island type of thing. They could have expanded more on that. I think that would have been a better. They they didn't expand far enough to in in the New York scenes between Lucy and, and Michael. As to whether or not, I mean, he he bought in way too fast that she was not a spy and and was not there to like, you know, he right. just he, he fell for her like way too fast. And then she explodes. Yeah, as they do. Yeah, I know, right? Who hasn't been there? All my one night stands blew up. Well, that was mainly because they had holes pricked in them. Ah, blow up doll joke. All right, so real quick, let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, for those of you listening in, Joel is not here. He had uh, we recorded on a on a different night than usual, and he had something he had to go do. So yeah. that's why Joel is not here. But we do have some thoughts from him that he sent us. Uh, he had thoughts. Yeah, he had some thoughts. So unlike most weeks where he just has stuff he says. 
he said it was interesting. This is all quotes. Uh, it was interesting, but didn't have the same spirit as the original. It was a little too off the deep end. The ending was a bit more satisfying and explained the prisoner becoming the captor. However, the scene with Ian McKellen smoking a cigarette with the shopkeeper and talking was an amazing bit of broadcast television. I will give him that. And yeah, as much as I crap on this, uh, I will say that the performances from the three or the four actors you are likely to have heard of were top notch. Yeah, yeah, I had no issues with the acting at all. Yeah, and giving an entire episode to Ian McKellen's like Ian (laughs) number number two's day off. Uh, (laughs) Not what was he called? Not two. (laughs) Not two. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, but again, I mean. I don't want to say it's self-explanatory, but yeah, or it's like, hey, we're going to have this whole episode where number two just decides to not be number two for a day and just enjoy himself. All right, we're going to start filming now. And it's Ian McKellen. You're going to get gold. Yep. Because he's going to do what he does. And he would have been great if they would have somehow figured out how to get Patrick Stewart in for that episode. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen having a day off. That would be pretty funny. I, I'd watch six episodes of that and probably <laughs> not be as bored after the fourth as I was with this. Right. <laughs> oh, but yeah, yeah. There's, there's really not much to be said about this. My father and I uh, were excited when we heard they were making a reboot or making, you know, redoing this, or whatever. My dad was, you know, obviously uh, apprehensive and we watched the first, uh, the, the first night it was, they, they showed the first two episodes back to back. Because it was advertised as like a little mini series, they were doing like three weeks, showing two episodes at a time, and we watched the first two, and we never watched the the next two and the next two. That says something. Yeah, my dad was just so like, uh, like, well, this is just really not the whole, not, not the same thing, and he just didn't want to watch it. And they sat in our DVR for like almost a year before he finally just deleted them. We just never watched them. Huh. Yeah. So this was the first time I ever watched the whole run. Yeah, I, I I watched all six in one evening, because I checked. Because them. you were at your in-laws. No, <laughs> no, no, this is weeks ago. Um, oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. We we were ready for this weeks ago. I forgot. I know this is something <laughs> strange for us, not doing a show that goes right right from one to the other. Um, but yeah, it. First off, I checked off the library. Went to the library. <laughs> they had no prisoner. At the library, so I went in there and just started checking off everything that had the prisoner and reserved it. So um, River Forest Library, Oak Park Library, I got like, I, I think I had maybe three complete series of the prisoner that I had all show up at the same time. So I'm on a list right now at the library, which is I'm different sure. than the list that we had before. But <laughs> um, I just I watched all all these in one evening. Oh and, yeah. Well, because once I got to episode three, I'm like, well, you know, I might as well just finish, you know, might as well get the rest of the cock in and finish up the night. Um, <laughs> it was, but you Let's know, just get this rape over with. I know, right? It was exactly, I mean, I'm <laughs> expecting some sort of, I, I mean, outside of everybody having numbers instead of names, there, this wasn't, wasn't even a, an honorarium to the original one. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Pat, it would be, it would have been great if this had been a on the side, you know, like you said, Sandals the Mystery Island. Um, 
but there wasn't any of the spirit. There wasn't any of the uh, arrogance of number six. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that made Patrick McGoon so attractive as number six in the first one is because he's like, hey, you want me to be part of this? Well, screw you. I'm not. Yeah, Because the minute you give number six any doubt, it, it, it ruins number six, honestly, because right. he's supposed to be 100 percent confident that, that you're fucking with me. I am not. You know, I am not number six. You know, and, and the and the second, you know, I mean, that even though it was a good episode, the second, you know, he's with his brother and he starts to have doubts. That's just that's just not number six then, you know, because Patrick McGowan played him as, you know, like, I don't belong here. I need to get off of here. I am not number six. You can't convince me of it. And if you try to convince me of it, I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it worked. <laughs> and the other thing was, is having a romantic interest for number six. That was something that Patrick McGowan was adamantly against. Yeah. Every time they tried to write one in, he fucked it. He, he purposely fucked it up. Yeah, and he he just I don't know him having that little doe-eyed you know kind of I I don't even remember what number she was but three one three three one three yeah it, it threw off the stoicness that number six should have had for this going on you know he should have been like I know I'm not supposed to be here anybody that tries to get close to me and tries to befriend me in this is going to be an, the enemy, is going to be someone who's trying to convince me of me belonging here, and I know I don't. So, I mean, him falling into this, I don't even know, falling into this kind of, uh, oh, like you said, the puppy love for her really made him less of a number six. Yeah. So. I, I am going to take one point of disagreement with you guys Uh-oh. in that I'm not certain that just calling, just do going in a slightly different uh, direction, filing off the, like the prisoner serial numbers makes this really good just because like they already did that. It was a show in like around the same time, actually. Uh, yeah. 2010 called persons unknown. Huh? That did it better, and uh, it, to boot had Chadwick Boseman, Candace McClure, and Alan Ruck in it. Hmm. Well, yeah, I'm not saying. Well, star power wise, I still think this one wins. But oh, for sure. Um, I'm not saying that it makes it, you know, great or even good. I'm just saying it makes it better if it's not if it's not trying to be the prisoner reboot. Yeah, and that's the thing is like if you say that's fair. Yeah, that's the thing is you say, oh, we're we've got the prisoner. I mean, you think about the prisoner, this iconic show that created a trope of episodes of TV shows and you go to, and you get this and you're like, it's, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it just loses so much of the spirit. And I go back to saying, I think a big part of that is because it wasn't filmed in Port Marion. But seriously, if in your life you want something that is a lot like the prisoner, but not, uh, if you can track down the 13 episodes of persons unknown, it's worth watching. Hmm. Currently on Prime Video. Yeah, right. I think I caught it on Netflix the first time around. I like so, the uh, I like the uh, image of the uh, show. It's uh, when it was real small. I thought it was just a, someone's eye, but it's actually a uh, camera. It yeah, kind of looks like a nice. nice. Hmm. Awesome. Well, is it time for a thumbs up, thumbs down? Ah. Yeah. I'll... 
we can talk about what Joel had as an idea for that, unless Mike's got something else to say before we go there. Eh, I mean, it uh, the I like the idea of a whole of a one person being the consciousness for a a, a group of people. I have this I, thing. I, where... I think the official term for that is the saint elsewhere. Nice. Yeah, Stan Elsewhere did it first. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you got one person being the Stan Elsewhere for a whole bunch of people. I like that idea. I like that concept. But like you, like we said, it is not. It's not the prisoner. It's not what we. It's not what we. Uh, were our ears perked up for? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the only thing of value that that connection brought was. Uh, it was a remake, so we got to do this as a show. Correct. Right. Yeah, otherwise we don't get to. Yeah. Yeah, but there is no Prisoner show without this remake. Yeah. So we got to watch a cool show, and then we watched this. Yep, that's a thing that happened. <laughs> well, sometimes it goes the opposite direction, and we watched, you know, Sabrina, so we could watch, you know... <laughs> We watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch so we could watch the Chilling Adventures of Oh, Sabrina. yeah. This is sort of the anti-Sabrina. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I think it's almost... Uh, I actually, believe it or not, I think I'm going to be the dissenting vote. I'm going to give uh, the current a thumbs up simply because I think it was good in its own right. Not great. It just wasn't The Prisoner. Hmm. I'm going to go way up for the original and way down for yeah, the yeah. remake. I'm 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 less enthusiastic on both sides. I'm not way up for the original like you or my father. But it's definitely a thumbs up and it's definitely not a thumbs down for the remake, but it's not. It's not I wouldn't even say it's a thumbs sideways like Joel is saying. Joel stands thumbs up, thumbs sideways and I'm I'd say it's definitely a thumbs up for both for me. I'd say thumbs up for the original cuz it's crazy ass weird 70s 80s or 70s 60s sci-fi which I'm always down for and I have to say th I, I have to agree with Patrick on this one I initially was going to give it a thumbs down but then you brought that up that on its own if you had titled this a, a different show I would have given it a thumbs up I mean granted the acting wasn't great but it would have been it would have been like hey it was all right I, I think the acting was was the best part about it no, I just I don't I just don't think that uh, outside of Ian McKellen and Lenny James, I don't think anybody was. I mean, well, Haley Atwell, she was all right, but yeah, I mean Jim Caviezel, I didn't like the turn that they. I don't know if that was his choice or that or what. I didn't necessarily like the character, but I mean his performance was still good. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, but yeah, maybe oh. thumbs up and thumbs seventy five degrees up. <laughs> so. <laughs> but, <laughs> We're 275 episodes in, and we're going to start introducing the three-quarter thumb. The three-quarter thumb now. That is a thing. <laughs> it sounds like you just really want four stars. <laughs> but you're trying to do it with thumbs. We can't We can't start changing the thumbs-up, thumbs-down system now, Mike. Uh, well, all right, and, fine. And Mike and Joel jacking with the thumbs-up, thumbs-down system is a time-honored tradition on this show. <laughs> They, they can't. They don't know what to do with their thumbs. They have to go sideways or three quarters down and to the left. Well, I'm not. I'm not. You know, completely innocent in that. I've done a couple Neither sideways thumbs, but still, you know. 
sideways is all is acceptable. You can't, there's no, there's only three, you know, and sideways is only reserved for extreme moments, Michael. All right, fine. I'm going to go with the sideways on this one. Thumb sideways for the remake, because if it was a different name, I probably would have enjoyed it. Because then I wouldn't have had any expectations on it. I guess it's acceptable. It is the prisoner. I'll allow exceptions. Right on. So, Josh, (laughs) what are we doing next week? Uh, Next week, we're going to answer the time-honored question. The one that has puzzled the sages for the ages. (laughs) Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Yeah, there's a a new... um, Carmen Sandiego show just popped up on Netflix not too long ago, so we are going to watch some of that and uh, going to put it up against the original Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego TV the game show. game show, yeah, and game. we'll talk about the computer game as well, oh, I'm sure. Well, there was Where in the where, where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, Where in the U.S. I mean, there was multiple TV shows. Where the hell is Carmen Sandiego? Who the fuck is Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> So if you have any thoughts on The Prisoner, uh, is it really a boys-only show? That, that was the question from the first half. That uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I want to get some perspective on that. Let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, like I said, if you want to hear our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and give us a review on Podchaser. We always appreciate it. So, yeah. Now we're going to go get more information. I don't know how be to Be seeing this. you. Yeah, be seeing you. I want to start, I want to start doing that, saying goodbye to people like that. And seeing, seeing who, you. Seeing you with that little little uh, okay to your eye. My dad and I used to do that to each other, actually. Cool. <laughs> I'm surprised your mother didn't like get a cramp in her neck from rolling her eyes with you two. <laughs> <laughs> Pat! Wake up! I got another theory! (laughs) (laughs) Insanity. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we will be uh, back next week. Next week. Yay! My dad wakes me up in the middle of the night. Rover was number one! Like half of our show. Yawning and burping. <laughs> That's, That's what I do. Sounds like a, a Swedish rap star. <laughs> Yawning and burping. <laughs> I like it. <laughs>